Welcome to Podcast 1999, the podcast about Space 1999. I'm your host, Mark. This is Matt here. There we go. How's that for timing? Yeah. Showing up just when the timing. podcast starts or just after you, it you, starts. You pulled that fourth wall curtain back just right at the right immediately. That's right. <laughs> the coming, I'm coming back like a spaceship with a highly radioactive drive or whatever it is. A time-space bending drive that kills everyone. Queller drive. It's a queller <laughs> yes. drive. I, okay, you give it a proper name. It's Voyager's Return. Well, it's back. Uh, if you missed it, uh, also here today is is coming back. Coming back is uh, Brian's back. Hi. Brian's back. Yeah. Like, Hopefully by fronts, too. I was trying to make it sound like it's, the failed Beach Boys campaign of the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said Brian's Return. I mean, it's right there. I know, but I like the Beach Boys. I was referencing the Beach okay. Boys. Okay, Beach Boys. <laughs> Mike loves return. What yeah, do you think a Mike love? What do you think a Mike love drive would do? It would. Maybe it'll make the film stock all wibbly wobbly. That means that <laughs> yeah. the drive is around you. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find a way to zoom my camera in and out really fast to simulate all the stuff that <laughs> happened in this episode, but I couldn't do it. It'd be a drive that's worn a baseball cap for sixty years. Yep. Okay. Just spews hatred. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, scummy vibrations. So, so, how long did it take everyone to realize that this wasn't the Voyager that we, the Voyager one that we know and love? When I thought about it for a few minutes, I was like, "Yeah, the dates don't match." <laughs> so they just kind of stumbled on the name. Or that actually was my question. And um, Brian, you're a little older. You might know this. When did the actual space probe? Voyager it's enter in the, the trivia. It is. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll let Mark do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the name trivia. Voyager was in the air. I think the Voyager program was, you know, they were being built, the real Voyagers, around the time this episode was filmed, probably. They were launched in like 77, I think. But I'll leave that to Mark to discuss. I have a book on my yeah, iPad thing... about the Golden Record, but I haven't read it yet. The, the I have a copy is... of the Golden Record on vinyl that I haven't even opened yet. Is oh, it on nice. gold vinyl? I think so. Yeah, it was a record store day years ago. It's got all oh. the music and stuff that was on the original Voyager. That's, That's awesome. Cool. I own this for real. Uh, yeah, part of why I didn't get the summary done until like two minutes before we were starting this episode is because I disappeared down a uh, Voyager rabbit hole. Okay, I guess we'll follow along with one. you if you want to go ahead. I, I condensed it. But okay. anyway, here's the trivia. Uh, here we are with the 12th episode in production order. We have new face bob kellett is the director here he was born in 1927 in lancaster lancashire he worked as a director and a producer his body of work basically tapers off in the early 80s but it does include such work as all i want is you and you and you don't just lie there say something and futtuck's end okay those last... all go together as one title <laughs> yes his last credit before his death in 2012 was 2002's Before You Go. 
This episode was originally set to be directed by David Tomlin, but he was busy working second AD on Barry Lyndon at the time. Uh, Johnny Byrne is back on writing duty, co-writing this with the Andersons. However, the original story idea was pitched by writer-editor Joe Gannon, who would eventually produce Archie Bunker's Place and Gloria. Um, okay, since this episode has a Voyager 1 and 2 and was filmed in 1975, one would think they named these probes after the ones that NASA would be launching a couple of years later. However, even though NASA was preparing what was then known as the Grand Tour Program, which was named that because the planets were pretty close to lined up in the late 70s and uh, wasn't going to repeat for another 175 years. Uh, but it did not carry the Voyager name yet at the time. The project team voted to rename the MJS-77, which stands for Mariner Jupiter Saturn Probe, in uh, March 1977. So although I couldn't find information specific to why Voyager was an option for the renaming it's totally possible that someone was inspired by this episode of Space 1999, which would in turn mean that this is the most direct influence the series ever had on Star Trek. Okay, anyway, this that's my is theory. A death machine. Yeah, in effect on Star Trek through NASA. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun because this is way more evil than V'ger. Anyway, um, <clears throat> when Victor shows uh, Commander Koenig the memory bank of Voyager 1 is in fact the AE-35 unit from 2001, A Space Odyssey repainted red. So there's your second Kubrick reference. Um, our main guest star today is Jeremy Kemp as Dr. Queller, a.k.a. Dr. Linden. It should come as no surprise that he was British and not German. Uh, born in 1935 with a background in stage acting, he did get cast as a German in many other film and TV roles, including 1984's Top Secret. In fact, uh, his IMDb photo is him in a German military uniform. Uh, aside from that, you can find him in Sudden Terror, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, and Buns for the Elephant. Listeners of this podcast may also know him as Jean-Luc Picard's brother, Robert Picard, not to be confused with Robert Picardo, in the episode Family, a.k.a. kind of, sort of, the best of both worlds, part three. Uh, he retired from acting in 1998 and passed away in 2019. We also have Barry Stokes as Jim Hayes. He was born in 1948 in Harrow, Middlesex. He has a few TV and film roles in such works as Fanny Hill and The Liverbirds. As of right now, his most recent acting role was as Huck in 1985's Enemy Mine. Uh, finally, we have Alex Scott as Archon. That's with two A's. Uh, he was an Australian actor born in 1929 with a number of acting credits and works such as Twins of Evil, Doomwatch, Strange Report, Romper Stomper, and The Abominable Dr. Fibes. He passed on in 2015 of undisclosed causes. Uh, that's trivia. Okay. You know, I didn't have the captions on for this episode, so I kept writing Quella. So I, I didn't hear the <laughs> R when I'm kind of disappointed yeah. that there it is Queller because uh, I thought Quello was kind of better. But yeah, that's how I heard the episode. That's what I saw. So uh, can I, you tell I us the episode the you saw? I can tell you the episode that I saw. Here is episode I saw in words. Alpha has encountered a probe named Voyager 1. It was launched in 1985 from planet Earth and it contains maps and information that can make Alpha's mission easier. However, the probe is outfitted with a dangerous nuclear propulsion system named the Queller Drive, which has already killed many people in previous accidents, including Paul Morrow's father. And it takes out one of the two eagles investigating it. 
Some of the crew want to destroy the probe, but some argue that the data could be retrieved from it and used, and it turns out that Dr. Ernst Linden will be able to help them because he is, in fact, Dr. Ernst Queller, who invented the Queller drive. There is some objection, but Koenig insists that he has the right to conceal his identity. Uh, Queller manages to get into the probe systems rather easily, which immediately tips off his assistant, Jim Hayes, to who he really is. Jim is enraged because he lost both of his parents to the Queller drive. Queller manages to get the job done despite Jim's physical assault. Uh, the Alphans get onto Voyager to retrieve the data, but as they do, an alien named Archon representing the worlds of Sidon appears and informs them that the Voyager probe has killed millions of people from his society and he will destroy both Earth and Moonbase Alpha and kill everyone there and has three Sidon warships to back it up. Queller decides that he needs to do something. Jim wants to go with him, but Queller says he needs to do it, to go it alone. He steals the Voyager probe and pleads for peace, but Archon will not budge. So Queller decides that neither of them deserve to live, so he self-destructs and takes out the Sidon warships all at once. Jim is saddened by the whole affair and smashes more things up, but Koenig suggests that he carry on Queller's work to honor his sacrifice because Jim knew him no matter what his name was. The end. Thus end, yeah. I, I, end. I kind of feel like uh, the Voyager is a bit of a dark phoenix here. Kind yeah, of just goes off into space for a while, takes out a few worlds, and then shows up again. It's kind of. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to put it. It's kind of wild that it's implied that Earth is that humans are so bad that they just made this thing that's insanely dangerous. Also, that it, you know. <laughs> it's stated that if they mess around with too many of the systems that it will self-destruct <laughs> which is insane can you imagine can you imagine earth sending something like that it's just if you if you tamper with the systems it'll blow itself up if you try to read that ironically on voyager ironically it was less dangerous when it was after it had been blown up you know because it was just a simple explosion as opposed to the you know, the, the machine <laughs> yeah, the gun Queller drive yeah. just wiping everything out in its path. <laughs> the murder drive. It's almost like even... a safety feature, yeah. I don't think anybody even cared about the guy who died in the Eagle. The, the, I had to go back start? and rewatch it to make sure it happened. Yeah. Yeah, nobody well, cared at all. He was doing a dangerous job, you know. Did Eagle 6 Violet survive Eagle. later? Because that guy had like the best porn stash ever. An Eagle Six later. I was gonna on. say the most seventies looking uh, Eagle pilot ever. I think was an Eagle Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy was awesome. Uh, <laughs> he kind of looked like uh, Sam Rockwell or something. <laughs> so sixty. Anyway, let me work out the chronology. They sent out Voyager One, and then discovered that the drive was a death machine with Voyager Two, and it kills two hundred people. Is is that the basic premise I'm looking at here? So one escaped without knowledge that this thing was a death machine. That's what I understood. I think they stopped making them after the second one. Yeah, yeah. After which it, is funny that which yeah, is funny. Calls it a Voyager ship, and it's like, wouldn't it be the Voyager ship because it's the only one left? <laughs> I assume Voyager two. They probably blew that one up as soon as they realized how dangerous it was. Then we never find out what happened to it. I bet they just uh, quietly sent it back out. Like, eh, we'll just. Mm. Eh, it's better <laughs> it's out there than like here. The, like how they keep trying to get aliens in the alien franchise. Right, right. <laughs> like, no, we're gonna get these aliens. So That's how how did Queller strike you on the uh scale of mad scientists? I mean he's he kind of that mad to me. 
he yeah, was a good this was a good he was a good character i feel like he felt like something that would show up in 90s star trek like a fun uh gray area guy the 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 thing that didn't work was just that his german accent was pretty bad mm. <laughs> but i mean what are you gonna do really you're not gonna hire well, yeah, jerry german. was a british actor i don't know why they insisted mm -hmm. on making it a german accent except i sounds like to me they're really trying to uh make an analogy with you know german rocket scientists coming over to america after world war ii in fact his name mm -hmm. sounds very close to uh edmund teller or edward teller uh-huh well, i think i think that wasn't an accident although he's more of a von braun character when you think about it he was just you know i'm a scientist he doesn't have any of that type of backstory in the episode of course but i think it was just kind of this i don't know like you said mad nazi scientist sort of thing but he's not really mad and he's not really a nazi he seemed like a decent guy he just was horrified by what happened with voyager 2. well his uh yeah the, it, the results of his actions were mad scientist stuff that's why i kind of like the character because on screen he's rational and you can kind of understand him but you're like man you know like i could see if he makes a past this episode is his next project might be like a space human centipede or something you know <laughs> well <laughs> we don't we don't have we don't do that we don't have characters we making don't a do that on moon base alpha no moon base alpha you either die or you just don't show back up in which case we have all three we have all three of the guest stars do one of the two things um which which is fun that they just threw one of those <laughs> evil super powerful aliens in just at the last second it's like oh you thought the guest star was going to be kind of a tortured human also here's an alien god who's a jerk like, like alien lucifer or something it was kind of his, his vibe <laughs> archon scared the heck out of me i, I was watching that when i was a kid this is this figure appears in the shadows there and he's like oh dang it's spooky he's got the the weird makeup and everything he looked very uh very devilish where's the whole idea of the yeah. uh the gnostic idea the archons right which are sort of the uh beyond the veil things that are keeping us trapped on this plane of reality so uh i, I mean, do remember that vaguely someone must have been referencing that i mean they just added another a to throw you off the scent <laughs> as you pointed out it has it has a double yeah. a, double a ron sort of uh a's <laughs> yeah that's how you know he's an alien the extra a is for alien um but <laughs> but, but yeah that 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 character was you're right brian i've had that trivia and lost it so i didn't <laughs> in the trivia that i said out loud but he was absolutely inspired by uh teller and von braun and uh by the original guy joe gannon with two n's not gannon like zelda um, I, I also noticed um queller uh for whatever reason he wears he wears the Moonbase alpha uniform but he keeps going around with like a flasher coat over that for some reason and keeping things in his pocket like, like he was in desperate need of a pocket protector <laughs> exactly he needed a pocket <laughs> so he would i like the idea that there's like some group of you know um elder scientists just squirreled away in some lab in the back corner of moon base just doing their thing <laughs> you know they're not you know some youthful 20 something um astronaut who looks good without a shirt or in a blue towel <laughs> i mean if they, if they can only yeah, if they can only flesh the show out a couple of cast members at a time because they can't afford a whole lot of extras, it's it was cool to show a different station than we usually see. Even if one of the scientists just 
spends half the episode smashing equipment, which <laughs> cannot be replaced because you're on the moon, but mm. in space. But anyway, <laughs> I was sort of like I said in my notes that Jim is stupid, is brilliant and stupid at the same time because he somehow immediately psychically figured out this guy was Queller, but then also then immediately smashes a bunch of irreplaceable stuff. Yeah, I, and then he, he he curb stomps him right after that. So, um, yep. I, yeah, I, I was kind of accusing him of jumping that? on the uh, jump to conclusions, Matt. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's right. Can, but can he we talk know about that uh, right. that alias? <laughs> I mean, Lyndon. Lyndon. Okay, so no, just the idea that okay, he's a, kind of a notorious figure. He's responsible for the deaths of a few hundred people. And so he changes his name and he goes into seclusion at the most distant place he can find, which is a moon base full of other rocket scientists. <laughs> How did he avoid being detected all along? My, my personal theory is that I think Victor suspected who he was all along. He never acted completely surprised by the revelation that he was. And in fact, if I refer back to the novelizations, uh, I think there was a missing scene where Helena was the first one to come talk to him because he knew things about fast neutrinos. Remember, she walked out. She says, I got to go find out about fast neutrinos. She goes and talks to him. And he that's where he first learns that the Voyager is coming because he seemed less surprised when Jim comes in later and says, there's a Voyager ship out there. And he's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I, I just found that whole story of him not being recognized by anyone on this base full of people who would recognize him. To be a little thin. <laughs> well, he, he grew a mustache also. <laughs> oh well, that that and the coat. You know, he got the coat. He on, didn't so. used to wear that coat. Yeah, so that's his yeah, disguise. Maybe, that's why he's wearing the coat all the time. Yeah, maybe he gained a little weight. Who knows? Uh, yeah. It. it, it uh, what do you guys think about the? What I felt like was a very weird swerve where Koenig is immediately like everyone has the right to conceal their identity on Moonbase Alpha. I think that's kind of strange. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's kind I of mean, like glossing over that point that I just made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I under, I like understand that, but I guess when you have that smaller crew, you have to gloss over a few uh, inconsistencies like that. Maybe that's it. Yeah. You, you get blasted out of Earth orbit with the crew you have, not the crew you want. You know, right, so. right. So yeah, we're <laughs> not have to do with everyone. Even well, Jim and his, you know, violent tendency to smash equipment. We have to keep him around. I'm sure Jim will be back in future episodes with amazing discoveries from the uh Voyager's drive. He'll he'll send them quietly from within the science lab and never show his face. Uh, but but yeah, I guess this crew has proven they don't mind getting their hands dirty a few times. <laughs> but this is a and also, the the best point is just that what are they really going to do? I mean, they're not going to execute him for for making kind of bad science. Well, he kind of does that himself, doesn't he? He does. Which uh, Jim kind of helps in a way. I think I think Jim <laughs> beating him half to death definitely made him feel like, well, my time is over. I'm going to blow myself up. There's nothing left for me to do. Yeah, yeah. He was feeling bad, had a broken arm, you know. Um, yeah, it seems like Jim should spend a little time in the brig for beating down a crew member. <laughs> but Do they, they have a brig? 
they <laughs> I should. I don't know if they do. I mean, a movie. Like they got, but... yeah, they got enough people. They should have some sort of uh, uh, security facility. Yeah, but I guess we haven't seen one yet, have we? So. <laughs> yeah, but what would it be? What's the point of it? It's, it's like it's another white room inside of Alpha. When There's they go back to it. their white room, you know, orders. <laughs> white room with a lock. You think of it like it's designed as a an office, not designed as a long term spaceship. So it'd be like Disneyland maybe... jail, Disney <laughs> Disney jail. <laughs> I have a friend who definitely ended up in some kind of holding cell in a hotel at Dragon Con once. Okay, oh, that's really? exciting. They party too hard. In the... right. He did. He did <laughs> drugs in the ladies' room. That oh. That's bad. Isn't that isn't that a Motley Crue song? Doing drugs in the ladies' room, probably. <laughs> Doing drugs in the ladies' room. Ugh. Um, I don't know why I did that last sound. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, you're on the. You're on point. You you went on I like was... you're gonna say something. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, my brain went somewhere okay i, don't know I, I guess i should at. say i was concurrently as why as watching this i'm now i'm, I'm finally working through oppenheimer i'm two-thirds through they they just did trinity but there's another hour to the movie so um well that movie's all out of order so if you say that you're to the point where something happens it doesn't really well in the viewing of the three hours of that particular movie but yeah i, I was writing like, this this episode is kind of like oppenheimer if the Senate subcommittees were replaced with model spaceships, kind of. Do you think that Oppenheimer would be better if he, uh, if Oppenheimer at the end went and blew himself up when blew up the um when aliens are coming to invade Earth? Yes, for sure. (laughs) Blew up the what was it? The Red Scare review board people. Oh, okay. That no, he do a gym beat (laughs) down there, and then he flies off to to fight aliens. That's how it office of American. That's how I'm expecting it to end. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he blows up the the committee for un-american affairs or whatever it's called <laughs> but you're because you're like now you that movie. now we all become death yes <laughs> <laughs> isn't teller in that movie because he, yes, like, he announced uh-huh. uh, oppenheimer yeah so yeah there's again i don't see queller being much like teller teller was sort of a jerk i think everyone agreed <laughs> oh yeah the movie certainly pushes those buttons pretty hard <laughs> i'm i'm not as well read in the, on the subject as i wish i was that's one of those things where i should have read more about it but yeah i don't uh, i don't feel like any of the operation paperclip guys were super duper regretful and i'm pretty sure oppenheimer is depicted as sadder in the movie than he was in real life as well mm. yeah probably keep it keep in mind oppenheimer himself, was schooled in germany but it was american uh because mm-hmm. being played by uh is what is Cillian? He's Scottish. Cillian, Killian Murphy. It's Killian. 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 I, I said it right. I said it right, right then wrong. Okay, there you go. Yeah, it's Killian. <laughs> Killian. That sounds too violent. And that's like a. Uh... Well, I mean, it that could have been the, that could have right? been the name of Archon. You know, he could be like, "I am Killian." Well, yeah, that was the name of uh, Richard Dawson in The Running Man. Ah, uh, that maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, because I watched that not terribly long ago Billy um, and I'll make you eat that contract and then I'll <laughs> and then I hope you leave room for my fist so I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your spine mm. wow you Barely. got that memorized that's impressive or you made it up I, I mean it's, it's my favorite line <laughs> okay pretty much it's like probably my favorite action movie line ever 
Okay, I see. I just remember. So you want the Pothirikta because it's such that's shorter. It's easier to remember. Yep, but it's not as good. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> okay, um, I have no, to see the Running Man too. It's one another film I've been meaning to see. Wasn't wasn't Mick Fleetwood in that movie or something? Maybe that is the time when he was showing up in random sci-fi. Like, uh, yeah, I love his little cameos in like Star Trek and stuff. He just pops up out of nowhere and he's gone again. Yeah, late 80s was prime time for that, so very well could be. <laughs> it's it's pretty campy now, but it's still fun to watch. <clears throat> I don't think it holds up anywhere near as good as Predator or Terminator, but, you know. I th- especially before uh, Queller in this episode um, reveals his true identity, I did think that they had an interesting kind of moral, ethical, you know, conundrum to, to get into. Do we get the valuable information from the death ship or blow up the death ship without the information, uh, which had our three leads kind of having a bit of a, a Trek style um, butting of heads or, or discussion. Yeah. It was kind of a Kirk Spock McCoy discussion where one's taking the other side and they're trying to convince Kirk which way to go. I mean, I didn't see the problem with them saying, let's see what we can do in these 11 hours before we have to blow it up just to see if we can do it you know because we've got time like like he said to hellness says we're not in danger yet <laughs> <laughs> might as well make use of the time and unfortunately they just happen to have the creator of the thing on board so they had the yeah that kind of threw they the... brought it down to the wire though they had to make it dramatic they bring it right down to the very last second <laughs> oh when they're setting it up i'm like oh that's that's check off red zone there like obviously it's going to make it to the red zone <laughs> <laughs> well my, I mean, my thoughts when they were having that discussion was absolutely don't do it because you're not going to get the the uh, I think Earl referred to it as the Gilligan corollary, which have things always have to reset in the show. So I thought to myself, you're never going to get that data out of there. You just should blow it up. But they did get the data. I guess it's one of those classic things where it's it's going to benefit them in some way that's not going to be explained to us or, <laughs> uh, or it's like voyager on i mean the tv show voyager yeah. where they get a bunch of probe info give it to a guy and that guy never shows up again we just assume he's in well, a lab still working on it you know three well, seasons later the thing that voyager does that's great is that every every so often they just get something from somebody and says this will take five years off our trip which <laughs> you know it's it's mm-hmm. still pretty nebulous what their how long their trip is but you still get that little satisfaction of they're getting closer. That's like in Japan when you go to a store and it's like 5% off. It's like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but they'll have a big sign like 5% off. Yay. Like You got to do better than that, people. Well, I guess you don't in Japan, but. I mean, what I found interesting is the, um, <clears throat> the way this episode played out. It's kind of like a reverse earthbound in that Friendly aliens were headed to Earth, but they were programmed to land on the moon, so they landed on the moon even though it wasn't in Earth orbit. But they continued on their way to Earth to be friendly aliens. In this one, it's like friendly Earth probe, which isn't really friendly because it's too dangerous, <laughs> is programmed to come back to Earth, but it's bringing a bunch of deadly aliens in its in its wake that are going to destroy Earth the minute it gets there. So in a weird way, it's lucky that the moon happened to be in the right place, the right time to stop it from happening. Otherwise the Sidons would have destroyed earth eventually. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> my, my thoughts were, do we know that's all the Sidons? I guess we don't. <laughs> so they might've just been like, Oh, 
they destroyed three of our ships and now we're even more angry <laughs> i guess good point you know? how, how close or far they are from sight on space maybe these patrol ships have been following the probe for like five years so they're nowhere near the home worlds yeah we yeah we have they don't have no idea this. where earth is right we we sort of have to take this as this saved earth because um well we don't know maybe earth did get blown up but voyager uh, will return to earth in like three thousand years or something well you know Bert maybe says that voyager returned here which was frustrating because like it didn't return you just found it somewhere mm, it's returning to humanity it's a strange yes. coincidence that they happen to find the one earth probe that made it out of the solar system apparently <laughs> yeah in well, all you space know, and time there it was coming right at them it's but when i was thinking back to uh remember another time another place we see earth has been decimated maybe that was voyager coming back <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah dude that that did cross my mind as as being the reason it was so scummed up. Although the moon leaving an orbit also accounts for a fair amount. So, yeah, that was my one of my favorite things about the pilot was that we get the news broadcast from Earth. It's just like, well, things are bad. <laughs> but we haven't yet learned how bad. I don't know if Maybe we are going to learn someday. I, I would uh, I would like to learn, but I don't know how we would learn that because mm. unless you know if this was a modern show there would just be an episode in in season two yeah. where you just see earth and people are just doing whatever it is the other characters i mean but it's a 70s show so we're going to completely change the format instead oh yeah <laughs> yeah i know i'll just say wait for season two because you know there's an episode <laughs> i might come back on talk about that <laughs> there we go that is an interesting thing. How many '70s shows does that? I mean, Buck Rogers completely changed his format for season two. If you count Galactica '80 as season two of Galactica, it does it. You know, like none of these sci-fi shows well, could maintain their um, format for more than one season. Well, well, it's well, the this same is a format, British. Obviously. Yeah, this is a British show, which that is actually typical of British series. Where, I mean, a lot of references I see to this show. Don't don't uh, refer to this as season one. They refer to it as series one and mm. season two as series two. So you think of Doctor Who. I don't think the Doctor Who does that per season, but they do different series. Yeah, they and, kind of uh, build it into to their DNA, though, right? Yeah, and maybe, I maybe not that, maybe not with William Hartnell, but after that, it's pretty much built into the uh, yeah structure of the show that that. Well, I don't think happen. British use the word season at all. They always refer to what we call a season as a series. So series one, series two is season one, season two. Yeah. So yeah, I assume that Doctor Who at the beginning of every new uh, series, you see the previous actors start screaming and then melting their flesh melts off and then they then they turn into the new actor and then they're like completely out of their mind and brainwashed and, and feral and they kill a bunch of people until someone calms them down and re reminds them that they're Doctor Who. <laughs> Like that happens, right? I mean, yes, that, that every happens. every series of Doctor Who starts like that. Mark, I'm fully watch them all. <laughs> they they loved that in England in the seventies. Yes, of course. So, what yeah, you guys think of the Voyager probe? I thought it was cool. Itself. I thought it was kind that of a cool, cool set. Yeah, I I, I love the fact that there's a lot of aluminum foil on the outside of it, mm. kind of like a real NASA space probe. But the funny thing is about watching it on DVD is that they use like Freon to shoot the uh, the Quella Drive 
you know, exhaust, you can actually see it like dripping <laughs> out of the exhaust <laughs> onto one of the panels, which I never saw on standard depth. <laughs> I really like the inside, although I am. Why does an unmanned probe even have an inside? Because you don't want that space. Uh, well, he does <laughs> say that it was originally designed for a crew. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Oh, just, oh so it has Which, the death drive. Let's send it out with no crew. That makes <laughs> sense. Okay. Well, what's it's it's wild that the optimism that we would have anything close to that by 1985. Which is mm. ten years from where this is made. Well, the yeah. optimism you know, we of still don't. our moon base by nineteen ninety nine, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but I kind of wonder what would happen if they if they had just used the Queller Drive to wipe out the Sidons, and then Lyndon came back, and they had Voyager One as a ship throughout the rest of the series that they would use from time to time as you know a weapon a and bug. a war, and a yeah, so like Starbug and I mean, take them out to Starbug. That's it. Excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, because, <laughs> right to work. Um, because um, um, it reminded me of Larry Niven's uh, uh, um, um, hypothesis that you know uh, a good, any good um, star drive is makes a really good weapon. You know, it's usually like a laser or a queller drive or something that's exceedingly dangerous, but you can always turn it into a weapon if you need it. <laughs> so well, I, I, I know one yeah. Remember serious... that time? One oh, serious... I was going to say, remember that time the Batman turned the Batmobile around and set that clown on fire? Oh, yeah. No, I was going to suggest one of the serious suggestions for more interstellar space travel was to have a ship with a giant plate on the back and you just explode nuclear devices on that plate and it yeah. it through space. <laughs> Like that was a serious suggestion. <laughs> they just well, toss a nuke out the back, and the shockwave, which I don't know, if shockwaves in a vacuum. I don't know how that works, but it would push the push the spaceship forward. In fact, I think Niven wrote a story based on that. Um, that's worse than a Queller drive, I guess. Although uh, you know, the Queller drive did seem to be like an accident. So whereas there are some actual devices were not. Yeah, there's some actual nuclear engines proposed called Nerva, which used a nuclear reactor to heat the gases to to propel the ship. But I think they realized launching large reactors into space was probably a bad idea. Mm. <laughs> well, we let yeah, them float around you have to... under in the sea with nuclear powered submarines. <laughs> We're cool. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. As opposed <laughs> to a bad. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, there's so many problems to solve with that. It's just, um. It's terrifying, really. You think about it. It'd be like if, you know, if you compare it to the ocean, like imagine that you had to test a ship, but you probably couldn't turn it around. And also, what launches your boat might destroy everything you care about on land. And, uh, uh, and you don't know what's at the other end of the ocean. I guess that's kind of the plot of On the Beach. Yeah. (laughs) Did not see it. Or read the book, actually. But, oh, the movie's not bad, too. But, uh, that, that's where a submarine is doing their thing and the whole world has been irradiated except for Australia and Australia is slowly being irradiated. So it's a really Whoa. dark uh, read. Or what? It's a I'm dark lo- movie, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the po- poster for it and it's harrowing. <laughs> Honestly, it's just a big red cloud with some sketched out little figures of people. They're all falling over. Mm, right. <laughs> it's just ugh, downer. Anyway, Any, anyway, to, to up it, you're asking what we thought of the probe, which I said I like the inside a lot. The outside, not as much, uh, maybe because it looks 
nasty, which is cool, but I'm comparing it to the probes from the last sunset, and those were cooler on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> but those weren't Earth probes; those are alien probes. Those are alien probes, true. But those little blue things those those are that blue guy. That was cool. I liked him. So um, I, he's still on my mind, or it's still on my mind. I shouldn't give it a gender. <laughs> I always marvel at the foresight of having the um, the the eagle landing pads be on an elevator because any size spaceship that lands there, they just just lower the elevator a little lower to to dock with it. <laughs> So that the hatch could be up here, the hatch could be down here. Oh, you keep in mind in 2001 where they have that, that insane elevator. So, <laughs> I mean, you get to yeah. watch it for what, five minutes in, the, in that movie? So, <laughs> I feel like everything lasted at least five minutes in that movie. Yeah, that's why I was saying that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I definitely like better in The Last Sunset is uh, Paul was so pissy in this episode, and I, I liked him better when he was high. <laughs> I did did anybody else kind of chuckle at that how Paul loses one parent and then Jim kind of just you know one psychotic because he's two lost parents. two yeah he's I've like lost twice both angry. my parents so and also they, angry. they they say a name <laughs> they say a name of a guy who the, the probe killed I've never heard oh the Queller drive killed Steve Abrams it's like what? not Steve Abrams <laughs> yeah <it's> like, <laughs> that was so weird yes yeah, the pilot of the other eagle yeah eagle two Oh wait, yeah, I guess it was. Damn it! That, that's why Alan was mad because he was a fellow pilot. Damn it! Yeah. Okay. You need to. You, every pilot's a person until they blow up in an eagle. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I, I at that point I'd just already forgotten that he got blown up. So I guess I retract what I said about nobody caring about whether he died or not. Um, I'll just read a few um, more of my notes that I, I just scrolled down and found. Um, I I asked if Archon is in the Flaming Lips. Uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> he had that look. If he yeah. he's he sort of looked like he might be an Anton Lavey fan. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I was thinking Flaming Lips, but uh, oh, oh, here we go. I thought this episode should be in like really crappy, like old school 3D with the glasses yeah. with the red and blue lenses. I'm gonna watch. I wish all this series was. Do you think mm. that there there'll ever do you think they'll get to the point where AI can just make everything into, into blue and bad, red 3D? Into bad 3D? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. It might, might be possible now, yeah. That could be your thing. You start a YouTube channel and uh, showing like, like you. okay, we didn't colorize Casablanca, but we have put it into crappy 3D now. The kind that gives you a headache. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, at least if you do the blue and red 3D on black and white films, it's not messing up the colors. I remember being very excited in the mid eighties because they're like, we're showing Hondo in three D and you'd have to uh-huh. go to a supermarket yep. and everyone was excited about Hondo in like nineteen eighty six for some reason. <laughs> that was when I learned that I don't really enjoy Hondo. And also the three D didn't work very well. Yeah, but the build up was so exciting. <laughs> I'd never heard of Hondo before that. I'd just never More been much sense. of a Western Western yes. guy, but that no, nobody, was, nobody was excited because of the film. It was just like because you went to the supermarket and got the crappy 3D glasses. That was what was exciting. Yeah. Yeah, because they were broadcasting on TV. It wasn't blue and red. It was like the first time they did polarized, but it wasn't really working because standard definition broadcast TV just can't really carry that much of a signal. Maybe that's where the headache came from. I don't know. That's part of why... When when you bought bought there was a couple of movies where if you bought the VHS it wouldn't be in 3D because they just because it just wouldn't have worked. Yeah, the last time I did any 3D was um probably 
15 or not less than that, like 11 years ago. Cause uh, at some, I mean, now they only even show 3d movies in a theater except for avatar, which is fine. Oh, I saw yeah. Avatar in 3D. Excuse me, I'm breaking my own point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in Japan, yeah. they started making the dubbed version, the 3D ones. So I didn't want to see the dubbed ones. Huh. Oh, man. But I did see Avatar in 3D. So the the way of water. Maybe, the, was it next year I get to watch the Seed Bearer? Maybe the Seed Avatar Bearer was the last 3D movie I saw. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, what, 12 years ago now? Oh, you haven't learned the way of water yet? Okay. No, I haven't. <laughs> um. I enjoyed it. I don't remember what Matt thought, but I enjoyed it. I, I thought the way of water was was great. Yeah, Civico, all that. Yeah. So wait, Avatar three is called the Seed Bearer. I think so. I thought it was going to be like the fire. I think that's the, the one after fire. that. Anyway, you oh, okay. could be right. So, or huh, I could be I right. Somebody, or we could both be wrong. Who knows? Um. <laughs> oh, okay. It's cons- being considered as a possible title for the film. So, breaking news. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway, you, you, Mark, you, you are definitely blowing up the probe ASAP. Is that correct? I would blow up the probe just out of pessimism. Okay, Brian, are you blowing up the probe? Or are you going to try and get it? Are you on Team Victor well, or Team Helena? I'm, I'm Helena. Yeah, Team Victor or Team Helena. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Victor at a point they had you know time to do something about it. I think it's a little weird that he the very first thing, the very first person recognized for what it was was you know it's a voyager ship he sounded really anxious and upset at that moment like he was afraid and then throughout the rest of the episode he's all about oh we gotta save it it's it's, it's very valuable we can't possibly blow it up so i'm just kind of like <laughs> quick turnaround on that uh, point but um yeah like Konik said he had a, they had a little time they could see what they could do so i was uh keen on them getting what they could out of it i didn't know if they intended to download the data somehow and then blow it up because downloading and uploading was still kind of a new concept back then. It seemed like they had to physically go inside and pull out the black box and take it away in order to get the data they wanted. So, well, they did that. I, so good for them. Yeah, I don't think anybody knew what downloading was because I, I remember, I don't know, the first time I ever saw a hard drive, even being a nerd, that was like the the late eighties. Yeah, still not, it's first... not downloading, but still, B- BBSs were sort of a. Mm-hmm. rare thing in the yeah, 80s. I don't, I don't really remember too much because I, I, yeah, I think the first, maybe Battlestar, the reboot Battlestar definitely gets into these ships can upload and download from each other. I mean, that's the whole that premise of, of the first of the whole Cylon attack. Um, there is that Star Trek episode with is it the Yamato where they're, I guess, trying to Oh no, they they get the virus. That's TNG, yeah, that was yeah, they the get 80s, the yeah. yeah, they get the virus from it. So that was kind of an early version of upload, download, and sci-fi. But yeah, here of course it's, it's in a box. You have to physically get yeah. it out. It's in the computer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's. That explain it's, why it's, Helena was so concerned. She didn't want the ship there at all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the classic uh, sci-fi where something something that's very possible is not predicted and things that are impossible are predicted you know it's always we're we're terrible we're as a species we're somehow very terrible at predicting what will what the future will be <laughs> so i felt like you could say koenig did a more balanced commandering job in this episode than some other ones we've seen yeah he hasn't he wasn't screaming he's actually he's listening to people in this one which we've said before he's a lot of times he'll just decide something and tell everyone you know ignore everybody else so here he does seem to be taking in options and opinions which is and not screaming although it is fun when he screams Mm -hmm. so we are missing that 
uh, somewhat. Well, you get you get he, Jim. He and, calls Jim, Jim stupid. And yeah, you get Jim and <laughs> yeah, Paul screaming true. a lot, so stupid. you do get screaming. <laughs> Humans with your stupid minds. <laughs> it, it was kind of fun to watch Paul just totally dress Bergman down after he said, "Well, you know, things happen." Mm. <laughs> he said, no, "He said something went wrong." That's what he said. Chill out, dude. Oh. You still have some of those mushrooms left. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for Paul to mention the fact that his father was killed by Voyager too. And again, the the odds of like survivors of families of this tragedy are all on this base, apparently. Yeah. And again, no one recognized who Ernst Linden was. <laughs> yeah, I guess this episode is just such a weird dissonance now because now Voyager, because of the real probes and maybe because of the TV show, seems like a very optimistic thing. Yes, Voyager, yay, that's the hmm. that's the most optimistic of sci-fi. And here it's like, nah, Voyager's a death machine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it took me, you know, in my note, of course, in my notes immediately, I was like, "Uh oh, it's V'ger run. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then it took me a minute. It was like, wait, wait, they said it was launched in 1985. What? <laughs> that, you know, I just had to straight up stop and then be like, wait a minute. I don't <laughs> think the real Voyager had a Queller drive on it. <laughs> Did you go down that rabbit hole trying to figure out if the real Voyager had a Queller drive? <laughs> the first thing I did was search Queller Drive, and every single, every single reference was directly to the show. So I was like, well, "Okay, that's because it's just in the show." Yeah, um, it's just in the show. But it was, it, it did kind of, it was a very trippy experience just going through the stages of, wait a minute, because because you know, in my brain, obviously, I mean. It launched in 1977, but in my brain, at the very least, people would have been talking about it in 1975. But yeah. Oh, by no. the way, the the Sidons definitely deserve to blow up real good because why were they flying their ships in that close formation in deep space? <laughs> if they had flown them uh, farther apart, Voyager could have taken out one of them. <laughs> that is a space 1999 trademark. As ships fly in formation right next to each other, perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps for some reason, like maybe yeah. being, you know, on strings piloted by one they person. Had to, <laughs> they had to frame it that way until it would fit on. I mean, the side ends are basically TVs. a footnote in this episode anyway, you know, it's obviously it's not the main, the main attraction, but yeah. I mean, I, I would like to see the ships flying all separately, but I'm sure that someone was just, that would look terrible. They would all look like, you know, there, there's obviously... um. Well, the realistic shot for uniformity. They'd be, yeah, they'd be like thousands of kilometers apart, and you just see a couple specks. That's that would be the reality shot. Obviously, that would look bad. Yeah. So, I mean, I have operated puppets several times, and that sounds like a nightmare trying to make even trying to make a ship fly in a stable, realistic pattern sounds like a nightmarish task so is your <laughs> is your real nightmare the pigs in space ship where you have to do muppets and pilot the spaceship at the same time am i crazy but didn't that wasn't that spaceship just kind of like flopping around yeah they, yeah they didn't fly it very well so i guess that proves your point <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're they're pigs you just reminded me of a question what is visual range and you how can, can they vision. detect this probe coming and then have it come into visual range it seems like <laughs> it'd still be a dot at the distance i guess you might get like gravitational disturbances before you get the uh before you can see the thing i mean that's in our I mean, solar system we know of bodies out there that we haven't seen we've had yeah, in, in this show we've had 
Moonbase Alpha almost fly directly into a planet that it didn't see until it was just right in front of it almost. Mm-hmm. I don't... Uh, th- this show is terrible at being consistent about how... Oh, yeah. Well, it's just the logistics of it were impossible. Yeah. Like, for instance, <laughs> the first two eagles go out and intercept Voyager and one gets destroyed and, you know, uh, Alan barely makes it back. And how far away is it now? Oh, it's 11 hours away. Wait, what? It's got this super drive that drives it faster in lights, presumably, or something. And it's 11. How did the Eagles ever get out there to intercept it in the first place? <laughs> Eagles are fast. <laughs> makes they no go sense the, at all. They go at the speed of plot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, pretty much. It's the speed of plot. And that's well, why so many of them blow up. Yes. Well, let's... Uh, designed to go that fast. Let's put percentages on this episode. How much of it is uh, existential dread? How much of it is sci-fi fun? Uh, percentages are cool for oh. that or whatever. Oh, Brian, you go first, if you don't mind. Um, well, I'll preface this with a little moral meanings and messages uh, segment. Um, uh, revenge, good idea, bad idea. Because bad, bad yeah. <laughs> yeah. Queller and Bergman both call him out on it. It's like this is a sign of a debased culture. We think you're debased. No, you're debased. <laughs> <laughs> you're a towel. <laughs> We're we're trying to explain to you this was an accident. We don't believe you. Well, it was still an accident. (laughs) We didn't mean to kill all your millions of people. Yeah, we don't really flesh out Archon and Asidon because they're just, I mean, they are just, again, Queller was a character. Archon is a plot device. And you can get mm -hmm. away with it because he's an alien. So he's not whatever. He's an alien. Mm -hmm. He's literally a time bomb. I mean, the Voyager is the first time bomb and Archon is the second one. But by the time Archon shows up, he doesn't have a whole lot of time to even vamp all that much, which is kind of fun and makes him scarier. Yeah. But, uh, but also, <laughs> yeah, if you if you pull on that thread, there isn't a whole lot there except murder, murder machine. I, I mean, I would have liked to have known more about how the Voyager probe killed millions and millions of people. Well, the same way it killed the Eagle 2 pilot, I guess. Or that one community that it wiped out, Voyager 2 wiped out. We're not told where it is, but presumably mm. uh, it was the, on the, moon. the quill drive just kind of did a little slice across <laughs> yeah. uh, some continent somewhere, and it happened to hit this one village that had everyone's ancestors in it. And <laughs> Yeah, that's, it was that's... apparently on the moon, and they, they cut that from the script. And I also it's cut not... that from my trivia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that missing uh season of UFO where where we would have gotten details yeah. on that. Oh, that's where the answers were. It was in UFO. <laughs> the the, oh. the series of UFO that comes between the first series of UFO and and Space 1999, <laughs> that one. Yes, yes. UFO that's, 1998. That's... Is that was that what Big Finish was doing though? They weren't they doing some of that stuff? Um, I'm not sure. They were doing a UFO, I think at one point. I think there's some Trying to fill in the gap between like, the like series. Either with books or with um, sort of the radio show thing, there is, I think, a few things to stitch the two together. Anyway, I, I don't have enough anyway. knowledge of that myself, but I think there is something out oh. there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how, mu- how much dread? Um, I'm kind of in the middle on this one because I think the concept of Voyager and the stuff with Lyndon was kind of interesting, but the dread of having it wipe them out was kind of... Um, 
it was not as dreadful as a lot of other things that happened, like, you know, having the Guardian of Puri take over everyone's brains and that sort of thing. It was just, it was a problem that could be solved with one missile, really, <laughs> all along. They could have just blown it up and it would solve the problem. So it wasn't too dreadful. So it, I was just having fun with the uh, the ideas behind uh, the Caller Drive and the exploration of space and how it was going to bring all that data back to Earth I don't know if it would ever gotten back to Earth, really, mm. because Alpha doesn't know where it is right now, and the Sidons don't know where Earth is right now. So I don't. Oh, they were just following back. Probes, oh. would take them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as we know, they're what hundreds of millions of light years away. Be in another galaxy, yeah, yeah. I assume they're in another galaxy, like but there's that, been a I bunch guess... of terms thrown about as to to how far they went. But it really seems like they're very far away at this point. But they keep running into Earth things, another galaxy. But, uh, well, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I've said, I floated this theory that there's some kind of current that just sends everyone from from Earth in, a, in one direction. So we'll see. We'll see yes. if that goes anywhere. We'll see. Um, for me, I think the dread was a little higher. Maybe I'll go 80% dread, 20 fun in part because of context because i watched the first hour of oppenheimer then i watched this episode of space 1999 then i watched the second hour of oppenheimer so putting in an oppenheimer uh sa sandwich gives it oppenheimer sandwich gives it a little more existential dread i think <laughs> that makes sense because you see this uh, you know not slightly goofy sci-fi version and then you're watching this dramatization of things that you know actually happened so <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm 70-30 dread because it's not... I don't want to say this wasn't a fun episode. I mean, it was it was a very entertaining episode, but it wasn't super fun. And, you know, there are two different terrible existential threats. One of them threatening to blow up Earth, which still might, <laughs> still might blow up Earth if there are more of them somewhere that know where Earth is. And there's no way of knowing. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty dready. Humans do increasingly suck in this episode. It takes the air out of NASA optimism, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, even, it's like the opposite. Even the cool stuff that NASA does ends up like destroying worlds <laughs> or whatever. I guess it's not NASA and, and it's shadow or whatever in this universe. I think it's right? an interesting assumption that they assume Voyager one's going to lead them back to Earth. There's nothing in the plot that says it had to. <laughs> <laughs> what I the the, the impression I got was Bergman was just like there is a lot of information that will help us as we encounter new places. I, I did right, right. Yeah, I mean, impression. in terms of the Sidons using it as a uh, guide, oh, dog a guide to take them back to Earth. Oh you know? right. Well, they found the moon, so yeah. it wasn't a completely stupid idea. Again, <laughs> I mean, astronomical odds. They, they, they the moon found them flying <laughs> in close. <laughs> Close pulled together too well when you think about pattern. it. <laughs> yeah, flying in too close a formation was was a stupid thing they did, as I as I mentioned. <laughs> well, hopefully those are the only the ones. These are all of my ships. Don't <laughs> blow them up. This is our entire civilization. Don't blow it up. We want to kill you. <laughs> we will stop at nothing. Well, that's the Caldorians. All all six Caldorians were in that one little blue spaceship. Yeah. Um. Does anyone else? Does anyone else, do either of you want to throw out another point on this episode? Well, there was one line that didn't work for me. Sure. Oh. <laughs> I was, 
there's something where where Koenig says to Queller when he's stolen Voyager and is flying into a suicide mission. He says something like, "The only thing between between me and the you're the only thing between us and the and the Sidons." And then Queller says, "The only thing between you and the Sidons is the Queller drive, but they're not. He's not between them." Wait. What? Well, he, they, the Queller drive and Queller are between them at that particular moment. I feel like it's a, it's just redundant. That's the problem. Yeah, I guess the line the line was weird. Okay, <laughs> I well, don't think that was a good point. We've but. already talked about how these episodes uh, maybe didn't get that final draft because of uh, <laughs> those suits in in New York or whatever. ITC, yeah, yeah. Just... And then the Italians show up and they're like, "Hey, where's the bath towels? <laughs> you need to hire a German. You need to hire a British man to be German." Eh, that's not even <laughs> an Italian accent. That's not the last time you've played a German, too. I think he in one of the Young Indiana Jones uh, movies he played a he played another German officer, if I'm not mistaken. Oh no, wait, he was in Top Secret, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes, he's a German. Officer there he was again, Secret. another German officer. <laughs> he's in a ton. You look at his IMDb and it's just Germans all the way down. He's just. So many Germans. Was Picard's brother German? No, I think he's French. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, say I just that like that. The question mark. The cards are I'm... French, but they're really yeah. British. <laughs> I mean, he's as French. Picard is just as French as uh, as uh, Ramirez from Highlander is from Egypt. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though he's played by Sean Connery. Yeah, with who doesn't um, change his accent at all? Because why would he, Sean Connery? No. Yeah, of, <laughs> of course you make it. You you want to make a movie about the Scottish Highlands? Definitely hire Sean Connery to play the An Spaniard Egyptian. who's from from Egypt. <laughs> Dang, that's. Did you guys have a uh, favorite yeah. line? Uh, I didn't write down lines. I wrote down "Do my best" just because it's the Boy Scout motto. Um, and then I wrote "Skag me up, Doc," but I'm pretty sure he didn't actually say those words. <laughs> I think my favorite line was when he said, uh, "You were in how do you say short trousers?" Yeah, oh, yeah. that was great. <laughs> I was expecting short pants, and it came out as trousers. Yeah, is <laughs> you always got to put those extra German touches to make sure that people don't notice that the the guy's definitely not German. Like, oh, you want you were short pants. Anyway, Mark, I was just trying to get you ex- to accept the idea that Picard is French, but his brother is German. Sure. I mean, that's <laughs> Alsace-Lorraine. There you go. That's where they live. One okay. of them is in Alsace and one of them is in Lorraine. The, the, the line goes right through their house. Picard's bedroom's on the uh-huh. French side. And uh, yep. I forget his brother's Robert. name, but Robert's on, Robert the, Picard. on the German side. Yeah. Not Robert Picardo. Yes. Oh, yeah. I should have remembered that. Okay. That amused the hell out of me. I think it's Robert. <laughs> Robert Bacar. Probably is Robert. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Yeah. Uh, That's the only episode with no shots on the bridge, if I remember correctly. It's true. No bridge scenes on that episode. That's the only one, huh? Yeah. Well, they like that set. It's their main set. Yeah, they they have it. It's theirs. I guess (laughs) we'll wind this one down. Uh, Yep. I don't know. Brian, what you got going on? You got any plugs? Um, see me in the next podcast that Matt makes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Matt, yeah. do you know what the next podcast Brian is in? Maybe, maybe uh, time enough. I don't know. There... I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. know. Okay, sorry. I don't I'm, remember I... off the top of my head, but <laughs> there's something, something down the pike. So, uh, yes, we have many podcasts. You could support them. This one is podcast 1999. Uh, 
of course you're listening to it do i need to say that no support us on patreon at podcastio podcast is where we do other ones like time enough podcast covering the twilight zone films and filth where we look at really good movies and really bad movies as voted by imdb users there's some video game stuff luke loves pokemon hyrule field report game game show i think there we go i said some things things are said you did people can find all those podcasts on any podcast platform that they have access to oh yeah i guess i'm gonna go warm up the queller drive and go to work then it'll work how, no. do, how do you go to work i go to <laughs> no. a tight queller drive <laughs> you've just <laughs> you just killed everyone at your job uh hope you hope you're ready to redeem yourself by blowing up uh aliens Islands of deep sky. Go fishing with your own.